Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors might provide that roadmap for your journey. On most Thursdays, I will be talking with those mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis coaches and players. Often you will hear, well, like today, the, uh, Dr. Alan Fox, Coach Chuck Reese, Dr. John Murray, uh, Scott Williams, Linda LeClaire, and other respectable uh, coaches uh, like Dr. Bryce Young, Tom Farham, and uh, Scott Engie. Uh, who knows? We've been blessed over the last uh, three-plus years, I guess it is now, to uh, have some of the, I consider, the finest mentors um, contributing to this broadcast. Uh, what makes them especially successful mentors, in my opinion, is not just the books and the papers they've written, but uh they still give back today. And uh, let me, before I get myself in trouble, let me just say most of these mentors are all younger than me. Uh, but you can learn much from older people, but you can learn from experienced people. And these were people when I came and went from uh, being uh, – a basketball coach that decided I was going to join my son with the John Denny School of Tennis and uh, become a t- tennis pro. Uh, these were people that I looked to uh, for assistance, and I continue to uh, look for them. These are just experts in the area, and the great thing about it is I, I believe uh, my own biased uh, view is that sports, preferably tennis, but any kind of sport, uh, helps you through life's journey. And I think, uh, and that's why I'm especially happy uh, with today's uh, guest, because uh, his books are not only about tennis, but his articles and books are also about business. And I've said it for a long time, I think a good uh sports coach and also be a good business coach uh, with the right training. But uh, besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, you will also be able to continue reading my views in Florida Tennis Magazine. As I previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at coachdenise, that's D-A-N-I-S-E, dot F-H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. Who knows? You may see your views in Florida tennis, or you may hear them on this uh, broadcast. Uh, Coach Denise Sharon uh, tennis broadcast. It wouldn't be the first time I've used them. I've used views from as far as way as Germany and uh, Ireland before. Um, and um, I'm going to give you my opinion the way Coach Denise perceives them, uh, and I respect your opinion. And as long as we're respectful, um, we can sit there and discuss them. As a matter of fact, I've been especially blessed uh, with uh, this issue that just came out with Florida Tennis Magazine, is that Jim Marks, the uh, owner um, and editor, who, by the way, has an outstanding uh, article in there about um, the Miami Open moving to the new uh, facility next year. It's, uh, wow, what a, a dynamite article it is. And what a, um, a great event uh, it was, this last one at uh, Crandon Park. But I also have an article in there. It's a three-piece article. And uh, it's change is dangerous and necessary. And that includes tennis. Uh, we have going through a lot of change in the country. There's a lot of dissatisfaction. Uh, 
what a lot of the governing agencies uh, in tennis as well as uh, in, in the country. And um, I couldn't express all my views in one article like I usually do. And um, the uh, editor has allowed me to use three articles. So uh, you might hear some views you don't like. I've already received some comments about uh, uh, your anti-USTA and uh, other people that are saying that uh, you're always pro-USTA. Um, you know, they're, all they are is using you. Uh, somewhere in between there, I suggest, is probably the truth. I don't suggest to have the answers. Uh, my position is I think that the discussion is a worthwhile discussion. And rather than get into where we start calling everybody names and fighting with each other, I think we ought to be able to respectfully discuss issues. So um, if you, what uh, we have done, because everybody uh, doesn't read Florida Tennis Magazine, doesn't, don't ask me uh, why not, because it's not just for Florida tennis players, it's um, for uh, tennis around the world. Uh, but we have posted my article on the Florida uh, Tennis Facebook site, and of course it's on um, my site, uh, FHSTCA. So um, you can read it there. Uh, like I said, you uh, can express your views because you're going to hear mine, and that's going to go. Uh, I'm hoping. <laughs> I, I'm hoping it's going to go three. Uh, articles. I sent my second article in already. Uh, the third article is a bunch of notes right now. I'm receiving some of your um, information. I'm digesting it. I hope I can end this in three uh, articles, but if I can't, uh, I'm not sure it's the end of the world. Uh, if we keep going on discussing uh, what some of the uh, potential problems are, um, is that all bad? I don't know. But anyway, let's get to uh, today's uh, guest. I'm especially uh, excited. Uh, let me first see if I think I hear. Uh, doctor, are you there? I am here. Yeah, just listening okay. to you, John. Well, I was just. Uh, I'm so great to hear you, Alan. Uh, I was just rambling on there like I've been. I do sometimes, but I'm always thrilled when you're on because I think of, uh, you know, your entry into tennis. I mean, uh, you know, coming out of college, uh, being a former NCAA champion and, uh, you know, being a psychology major, uh, which I think is so relevant in today's uh, game, uh, going to the um, – the pros and then coming back to build a program at Pepperdine University. Um, you know, it's not the direction that I think some of the young pros are going into today. And I'm wondering if, uh, you know, not that they necessarily should follow your step, but I'm just wondering, I see players playing a little longer today uh, do we have to rush the young people into the pros so fast? Well, I, I, I think uh, because of the money involved, uh, it's very different than, than it was in my day, which was basically amateur. Uh, we actually, it was actually called shamateur in, in, in those days because we got paid, but it was all negotiated under the table, uh, and, and it wasn't enough that you were ever going to uh, like make enough money to, to be able to uh, retire on it. It was enough money so you could see the world and make a few bucks. But now there's enough money so it's actually a, a, a job, a real one. And so I think if, if a player uh, is successful on the uh, – uh, not just futures, but I think he's got to – he or she has to make some sort of a dent in the challenger tour and maybe even get a win or two on the major tour, then it might be clear that they could make a living playing tennis and they should probably go uh, when they're ready. Uh, but other than that, it pays to go to college 
where your game can develop and you can actually learn uh, to be something else uh, in the event you don't make enough money playing tennis that, that uh, you're, you're set financially. So uh, it kind of depends. I mean, it, it, it's a matter, it's an empirical matter. If you're winning against pros that are 100 in the world, then you should probably go. You can see that your game is at that level. I mean, tennis is a, a handy game to see where you, you stand because they have rankings and you play t- a lot of tournaments and you have plenty of opportunity to show what you've got. And so if you've got a lot, it'll show. And then you're, you're ready to play pros. If it doesn't, uh, uh, the unfortunate people are the ones that are using their imagination uh, they 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 think that that if they get out on the pro tour, it's going to magically make them better somehow. Uh, and the fact is is that any competition makes you better, be it low level pro or college. Uh, and so there's there's no need to go pro unless you know you're, you're giving up a lot of money by staying in college. Otherwise, I'd go pro. So that would be the designated to me. I, you know, I've, I've consulted with players. Am I getting too windy here, John? Should I? No, no, no. Well, I was just going to say, I've consulted with some players where uh, even the parents, they, they were one gentleman was, uh, you know, very highly ranked junior, but he wasn't making a dent in, in the uh, challenger circuit at all. Uh, and he had an opportunity to go to one of the major universities on a full scholarship. And uh, I advised him to take it, and his coach with the USTA advised, uh, advised him to take it. But his parents said, no, if you go to college, your pro career is over. And so he went pro and uh, has regretted it ever since. I mean, he didn't make it as a pro. I think he had to pay his way to college because – he couldn't play on a team and get a scholarship anymore, uh, and so it worked out poorly. There's no need to go pro unless uh, unless it, it's financially viable for you immediately. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't do it. I'd go to college. Anyway, well, that, I'm going to come back to this at the end if I remember, because I did see an incident today with a young player that does belong uh, pro, but I just think about how smart I thought I was when I was young and how, you know, much better I thought I was. And, you know, it wasn't good until I went in the Marine Corps that I found out I was very ordinary. And fortunately for that, I was uh, well, you think to go the to college. parents would know better. You'd, you'd think <laughs> the parents would know better. Okay, the kid might not. Uh, right. By the way, you know, well, there's an interesting topic we could talk about one of these times, and that is uh, – a why is why is college tennis uh, amateur? In other words, why can't you play college tennis if you have played pro uh, events and taken money? Uh, I I don't understand what their purpose is in 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 having such a rule. It it serves no purpose at all. It hurts the university, in my opinion, as well as a lot of players. In other words, wh- why would they? Not want, I mean, for instance, if I were still coaching Pepperdine uh, and John McEnroe you know, wanted to uh, come back to college, finish up his degree and play on the team, why wouldn't I want him? I mean, what, what mm-hmm. possible negative, as long as I don't have to pay him uh, any more than just give him a scholarship, wh- why wouldn't I want him to play college tennis or Sampras for that matter? <laughs> why, yeah. why wouldn't that be a nice addition to college tennis, you know? I, I I don't see what what the purpose is. You know, see, I can see an NCA rule that the colleges shouldn't pay the athletes because then there would be bidding wars and it would cost the colleges money. Uh, but if the if a, if a person makes money outside of uh, college, why is that a problem for playing college sports? You know, I I I'm not sure I understand the logic behind it. Well, I never I understood just... the, the object of it either because, uh, like I said, I uh, went to college uh, later than most people, and uh, I had played uh, semi-pro uh, 
football, never made more than $100 a game. And it wasn't until my son was born and my father finally said, don't you think it's time to get a real job? Maybe the New York Giants don't want you. But I always thought Andy uh-huh. Robustoli was five foot nine, and he was in the Hall of Fame. Why can't I at least make the team? So I was never uh-huh. able to play in college because I was – not considered an amateur no more. I mean, and now we give way, way more than that. So I didn't understand it uh, 50-some years ago, and I don't understand it today. But I just uh, – well, today we're going off anyway because I I, I truthfully I, – I had taken uh, a question from each chapter, a chapter from winning the mental match, a chapter from the winning mind because I love – the idea of, uh, I, I, I do believe that an athlete has advantage uh, going into business and everything and, uh, and a chapter for Think to Win. But uh, one of the things that's happened uh, this week is, uh, and we coach tennis, uh, which is 15,000 people on uh, his uh, Facebook, on uh, Wes's uh, Facebook uh he does an outstanding. The question of momentum came up, and how you know did we go? And it was suggested I asked that question. So I'm thrown. Life is full of changes, and I'm making a change uh, today. Uh, I'm not going to sound so smart because I'm just ad living here. But I think we ought to go into, you know, momentum. Some uh, I, I, we just Andy and Wells was phenomenal. We just finished uh, the Miami Open, and it might have been the best one in years. Uh, but I've seen some momentum changes there that I'm sure you've seen. Uh, can we talk about that? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, I, I, we could break it down into a, a couple of areas. Area okay. one would be momentum in a single match. In other words, there, there will tend to be periods where one player dominates and then another player dominates if it's a close match, okay? The, the match tends to go in, in little cycles, and, and I would look at that as momentum. In other words, it, what, what I would define as momentum in a match is the, if you win one point, the, the probability that you'll win the next point goes up. Okay, that would mean to me that you've got what you might call momentum. In other words, each point that you win uh, makes it easier to win the next point. Uh, And negative momentum uh, would be each point you lose makes you more likely to lose the next point. Uh, And so uh, I I do see uh, such a uh, phenomenon as momentum where one player will win a few games getting on a somewhat of a roll and then uh, it'll fritter off and then the next player will win it. And so you would have to uh, ask yourself, what are the dynamics that cause such a thing? You know, it, it, first there, there are arguments as to whether there is such a thing as momentum in a, in a single tennis match. And I would argue there is, uh, and, and where I think it comes from, uh, would be uh, tennis is inherently an emotional game uh, uh, at the uh, competitive level. When you're competing, uh, your game will tend to follow your emotions. When they're good and you feel happy and confident and comfortable and relaxed, you play better. And when you feel negative and down and stiff and whatever, you play worse. Uh, And so when you start winning, when you win a few points, you start to feel better. I mean, if you think of your own game, I mean, don't you feel better when you get up 30 love in the game? You kind of feel things yep. are going your way. When you get down 30 love, you, you feel they're going against you, like you're going to lose the game. Uh, the, of course, the, the, the great players don't allow the score uh, and what's happening to affect them very much. That, the trick is, is to not react emotionally uh, to the score so much, but everybody does to some extent. Uh, okay. And so when you're winning, uh, you start to get confident when you've won a few points, 
You start to feel better, and you're more likely to win some more points. Uh, then the, uh, the, here, here's how the momentum tends to end. The, the way it ends is now you get up a service break, and you get ahead a bit, uh, and that's when people start to get conservative or loose, one of the two or both. You know, so you get up a service break. Now, you know, you start to think about the score and, and try to uh, hold your serve to, uh, to consolidate the break. Uh, now you get likely to get broken back because now you're thinking about the score and the momentum starts to change to go against you. Uh, and so it does tend to go up and down. Now the other player starts to feel a little weakness and he starts he or she starts to win a few streaks of points. And so when you watch these matches, you'll tend to see them go up and down. The, the, the person ahead has to fight uh, uh, complacency, conservatism, uh, and playing to the score too much. And the player behind has to fight uh, uh, discouragement, uh, negativism. Uh, b- but because of those kinds of factors – the tennis matches will tend to go in little streaks, little momentum streaks. Uh, and, and your objective as a competitor, if you're on the good side of that, the momentum is in your favor, you try to, you're trying to stretch it out, you know, get a second break, you know, try to get far enough ahead so that when you do slow down, which you probably will, uh, you have enough of a cushion that you can still push through, win the set or the match, uh, when it's going against you, you try not to let yourself tumble and lose too many games in a row or too many points in a row lest you be unable to catch up later. Okay, so you, you're trying to slow the momentum down. I mean, that's why I advise people when they get behind to, to slow the match down. Don't rush between points or between games, just take an extra few seconds. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to be playing into negative momentum. It'll go against you. You'll lose streaks of points in a hurry. You know, when you you, you see it at the low levels, it looks like people are just in a rush to lose a bunch of games and points. You know, they tumble. Uh, Whereas the great players, the Nadals and the Sharapovas and so forth, I mean, when they get, it starts to go against them, they dig in their heels harder. You know, they try harder to stop the momentum and to, and to make a stand. So th- 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 that would be my take on momentum in an individual match. Does that make sense? Maybe. I hope so. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense, uh, which leads me to another question that was asked of me, and I don't know if I'm – Truthfully, I'm going to hand it off. I don't know if I'm capable. I don't have the degree you do. But I've always preached that, you know, you, you really have to know your players and know them before you really become a good coach. And uh, and I also preach that there is a, a gender uh, difference. And, and many times, maybe because I was so much older than uh, people that I was uh, coaching, uh, I would take the uh, female and I would give other people uh, the, the male to coach because I did feel there was a gender uh, difference. But my question is, is there a gender difference in momentum? Is, do, does one gender react differently or more often? Or do we have any statistics on that? Uh, we don't have statistics that I know of. I mean, there may be such statistics out there. Uh, all of my experience, both coaching myself and uh, consulting and talking to other coaches, uh, there is a gender difference uh, in, in every way in tennis, in momentum, in emotionalism, and so forth. Uh, and one of my Facebook friends, actually, is Bettina Bungie, and, and – mm-hmm. uh, the question came up as to whether women choke more than men. And Bettina says, absolutely. <laughs> That's her opinion. Uh, I think it's true. I think the, the girl, the, 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 the women's game uh, 
is is actually somewhat more difficult uh, mentally than the men's game. I mean, they're both very difficult mentally, but the women's game is even more difficult. Uh, and I'll tell you why. In 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 the women's game, just the, the physical differences. One of them is is uh, foot speed and ability to cover the court. Uh, and, and the women are just not as, as uh, fast as, as the men. Uh, and so they have more difficulty covering uh, court coverage. And, and so it pays for the women to take a little more risk uh, and, and, and uh, you know, take advantage of their opponent's mobility. Okay, the guys can run down more shots than the women can. So the women have to pull a trigger as soon as they get a chance. Now, the men do too, but not, not quite as much. In other words, if a woman loses her nerve to pull a trigger, there's really not much fallback position for her. You know, she, she's not going to be able to run the balls all down. The opponent's going to end up blowing through her. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on the women to actually, you know, take the risk and go for the shot, which is, becomes more and more difficult if you get nervous. I mean, if you get nervous and you have to go for your shot, you're going to miss it probably. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to, to get nervous. Uh, a guy, maybe if you, can, if you can cover the court well enough, uh, you can put a little more topspin on the ball and, and play a little safer until you feel, uh, you know, that you have the nerves to go for your shots. Uh, that's a whole topic, by the way, uh, that people are, that wonder about, and that is, when you don't feel good uh, and you don't feel brave, should you force it and go for the shot anyway, knowing that, you know, it, it pays to be brave in tennis? And so that's, that's an open question. I mean, my own opinion on that is you shouldn't. If, if you don't feel good and you, don't, and, and you force your game and you press it, you'll tend to miss I mean, that was my own personal experience and, uh, as a player, and it's my experience as a coach as well. Uh, I've sort of gotten off the track a little bit <laughs> no, but that makes on, sense. on the women versus men, but it, it is per, it's slightly 30 degrees off point. But anyway, uh, it, 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 it's probably a topic more of your listeners are interested in, actually would be well, whether, you, think, whether uh, you push it. Yeah, I think it is a, a degree because there's coaching in uh, women and there's coaching and uh, no, no coaching in the men, So, which makes it interesting, which brings me to um, the question I wanted to uh, ask you. I think about youth. And I, you know, and again, I'm relating it to myself, and I, I don't know if that's good or not, but uh, you know, well, maybe you're a young thinking. Guy, aren't you? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm getting older, but I'm trying not to get old, actually. But uh, yeah. I, there's, but there's I would, one way to do that, John, but you won't like it. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you, you can pass away. That way, you won't get any older. <laughs> but. That's the only That's way right. I know of. <laughs> yeah. True, true. Yeah. I just think but, uh, that anyway, young we people, saying, and I look at some of the problems that we have today in society, and young people ready to thinking they're ready to take over, and you know, and I'm not being critical of them because I, you know, uh, I. I was never as liberal. I, I, I was sure liberal when I was younger, and I changed my views, but I don't think to the degree of today I was. But I think about the momentum and the swing and everything. And, and yet today was a good example. My, my question basically is momentum is a harder for youth to understand yeah, and it, which brings me to, to what I asked earlier about should people be going into college and preparing for life rather than going into the sport, which you uh, addressed, I think, very well. But uh, I thought that today I watched um, Osaka in, in Charleston at the Volvo Open, 
Uh, I think she's going to be a great talent. But I yeah, can see that she was, I, I could see momentum changing. Uh, she made sure that I was right because she called her coach out after uh, the set, uh, which indicated momentum change. And she actually stated uh, to the coach on there that I didn't feel like, I don't feel like I'm belonging here. And in the coach, I, I thought, maybe I'm biased to coaches, but I thought, uh, uh, her coach just handled it well. She, you know, said to her, "You belong here. You don't have nothing to prove. You've already won, you know, Indian Wells." I thought she did all the right things, but you know, momentum took a big shift, and uh, she's not going forward. Is that because of age, primarily, or do you have a well, it's two thoughts? My first thought. As, as you were talking about the coach coming out there and she says, maybe I don't belong. And the coach says you do. Wouldn't you have been terribly surprised if the coach said, well, you know, I'm not sure you do belong. Maybe you don't. <laughs> what, what coach in their right mind would say such a thing? <laughs> belong. Of course you belong. You're twice as good as this other gal. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, the coach uh, said what any reasonable coach would say. I mean, uh, 80%, in my experience, because I spent a lot of time going out on the court with my players when I coached Pepperdine for 18 years. Uh, so I've spent a lot of time on a lot of courts. Uh, and, and what the coach is doing mostly, I'd say 80% of, of coaching advice, if you can go out and coach, is psychological and motivational uh, advice, you know, to keep them in there and get them feeling good. It's not so much strategic or if it is strategic behind the strategic part in your mind as a coach is the mental and emotional part. In other words, you, you may give them some advice uh, that's tactical, but, uh, and I used to do that, but, but, also in my mind was the idea that you want to give them some emotional help, you know, like they feel that, that, that they've got a little edge, like there's some help for them, uh, which makes them feel good. And, and, and that, you know, improves their performance. So uh, young people in momentum, I would say this about the, the younger, the person in general, uh, the more emotional the person uh, the, or the less control uh, they have over their emotions and the less understanding they have of their emotions. Uh, I'm not sure any of us totally control our emotions anyway, but we do get better at it. As you get older, you, you recognize that when you get counterproductive ones, if you're smart, you, you put your foot on them. Uh, so uh, I, I would say since momentum is a confluence of emotions in one way or another, you know, the younger they are, the more likely there is going to be to be streaks of points. There's going to be more momentum issues, the younger, uh, the older, uh, the more they control the emotion, the more they're going to be able to uh, dig their heels in when things are going wrong and not tumble. So the, the, the best of them, the best of the pros, you know, when things start to go wrong, they dig in, you know, as opposed to, you know, get upset and, and, and fall. Uh, I don't know if that – is that – did I answer the, the question yeah, on that I one? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I think this is the uh, – there is an advantage uh, – uh, we don't appreciate uh, getting older. Um, you know, we take it for granted. Uh, but there's uh, that experience uh, we rec we start to recognize. So that's important. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I, I should say something about experience, John. You know, go uh, ahead. Of course, uh, other than experience, by the way, there's very few benefits in getting older that I can see. <laughs> Just. The fact that it's I'm getting It's better than older, the alternative, remember. It's better than the alternative. 
<laughs> but it's not better than being younger. <laughs> True. Although you reach a stage, um, I would say somewhere, most people, somewhere in their early 40s, I would say, uh, something like that, late 30s, early 40s, maybe late 40s, where your worldview becomes fairly solidified. It, it, it changes greatly from the time when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. It, it, your view of the world is, tends to be quite inaccurate, you know. And, mm-hmm. and as you've been around more and, and seen this and had more experience, uh, your worldview uh, adapts and changes, becomes more realistic, you know, and, and, and usually by your 40s, it's fairly well, you've got a pretty good conception of it. Uh, now, I, uh, that's, that was my experience. So I don't need the extra 30 years of experience that I've had. I hadn't changed enough <laughs> to be worth, be worth the physical <laughs> deterioration that I'm seeing. But uh, and then that, that, that's point one. Point two on this experience. Uh, experience is an interesting one. Uh, young people don't quite understand it, uh, the value of it as much as you might when you're older. And, and that is when, when, you're, when you're young and you haven't had experience, you actually, in order to handle new situations, you have to logic your way through them. You have to foresee the problems and the issues uh, just by your logic system uh, and, and, and maybe uh, take steps to protect yourself because you logically see it. But, but as you get older and you have experience, you don't even have to think about it. I mean, you, you've already been through it. So it's just a matter of memory as opposed to logic, which is a lot easier. I mean, it, it's very hard to foresee uh, the, the many things that could happen in, in, in these situations. Uh, once you've experienced them, you don't have to foresee anything. You just have to remember and don't make the same mistake twice. So uh, it, it, these are the the little issues with youth. Uh, I, I have objections to the psychologists who want uh, young people to uh, be heard more and make more decisions for themselves, like their school curriculum and so forth when they're young. I mean, that makes no sense to me at all. I mean, they, they don't know enough to make such decisions. You know, the curriculum through school certainly and a lot of college should be set for them. They don't know enough. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's, uh, you know, we, we just don't, uh, I don't think we, our education system and, and throughout, I, I think is, is in problems uh, today. And I don't, I think we're teaching, <laughs> Teachers are teaching for how to get ahead in tests rather than teaching subject matter, and I think that's what the problem is. is but you know, let's let's teach the subject matter. I mean, uh, I, I I have a, I have a problem uh, with that. So uh, let me ask you a question before I get in, into uh, that, uh, which I do on Facebook. What I, I won't hear. Uh, Back, I think it was in 2012, 11, 13, around that time, you made a statement, and I wonder if you're still going to stay there. You said the only player who could beat Serena Williams is Serena Williams. She's superior to almost every player in a woman's turn in every aspect of the game except emotionally stability. She moves faster, hits harder, and serves immensely better. If she doesn't suffer, self-destruct, nobody can beat her. She now has a child. I suspect that I, because I, maybe because I just love kids so much, but I mean, my own kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, but the pictures I see with her and uh, uh, her daughter are just so special. And I often thought about, you made an outstanding statement, but I always thought that one statement you made, self-destruct. And truthfully, I was thinking she was going to self-destruct, and obviously I was way wrong. But do you like to change anything there, or what do you think of the coming now in this new part of her life? 
Well, I don't know where she's. Uh, to me, the, the baby would not be as much of an issue as age uh, and and physical infirmity would be. Uh, I, I'm not sure what kind of shape uh, physically or what kind of small injury she might have. I mean, the killer with older players is is basically small injury that uh, mm-hmm. as, as you get older, you just don't heal as quickly. And so uh, has she got, uh, is, is she still the same physical person she was? I mean, if she's the same physically and, and got all the tools she ever had, then I wouldn't change anything. I would say she's far and away the best player in the world. Uh, and so o- only when she gets nervous, do things go wrong with her. I mean, that's why if you watched her matches, there was nobody that I've ever seen, male or female, that could come back from as many match points down or uh, the opponent serving for the match uh, and, and, and she breaks and ends up winning. I've never seen anybody do that so much uh, because most people get nervous when they're ahead, including Serena in particular. Uh, but when she's behind, she doesn't give up. She's, she was a great right. fighter, or still is maybe. Uh, and so if she's not nervous, then she, she puts the wood to it, and there's nothing much the opponent can do about it. The opponent can be serving for the match and still have no chance. Uh, like Azarenka, maybe uh, was it two or three years ago, they played in the finals of the U.S. Open. Azarenka served for the match in the third and had no chance at all to win the match. I mean, right. It looked like she was going to win it to me. I mean, Serena just blew through her uh, at the end. So when she gets her back to the wall, if she's not nervous, you know, there's nothing much the other player can do about it. So uh, it, it depends, as far as I can see, on whether she really wants to play, and that I can't know, or whether she's physically the same person she was or, and hasn't deteriorated, and, and that we don't know and probably never will. We'll maybe see it over a period of time. I'll, I'll be curious as to what uh, w- what she's got under the hood these days. Also, I mean, obviously yeah. she's taking losses, so she's it's one of the somethings. You know, lack of uh, tournament play or some physical discrepancy, or her child. One of the three is is doing her at the moment. We'll we'll see if she can come back. Yeah, I'm I'm gambling that it's lack of play uh, because I think we all need that. But if she, I, I think she's such a fighter that I mean we don't know how the age is going to affect and the injuries, like you said, is a big thing. But if not, I think she can come back. My thinking is is does the baby take some of that, which I consider negative, starting to bother. I was always afraid she was going to self-destruct one day on the court. And I, uh-huh. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking that ain't going to happen no more. I pray, you know, I'm right. Who knows? Well, possibly not. We, uh, who does know? I mean, I have seen her self-destruct on the court a time or two. But, I mean, mm-hmm. basically, did you know, I mean, I've seen her lose matches, just choking and losing to some way lesser player. But usually she didn't. Usually she didn't. But... Anyway, Ian, we're uh, off topic today. Let me ask you uh, a question. I, I read a, uh, an article today on the National Football League, and uh, I truthfully haven't watched the National Football League uh, in two years. And Dr. John Murray, who I love, we didn't have on the broadcast during the football season because I was gonna, afraid I was going to make some remarks. So we thought we agreed it would be better during that time he's not on. But he has picked eight of the last ten uh, Super Bowls, uh, and uh, he has a mental performance index. And yeah. um, and, uh, and now I noticed that the, the NFL is talking, now we're going through the recruitment uh, uh, you know, process, and they're looking at these young college players going up. And he was used to the statistics of, uh, to quantify uh, the football player. That's how he picked 
you know, Philadelphia and picked, you know, he's, he, I mean, nobody has a record he does on picking the teams, but it's all on psychology. Do you see us getting more involved in all sports? I mean, tennis, I think we are pretty active in football, not as much as surprisingly, but it seems like a reasonable thing to me. If I'm going to look at uh, Jim Brown, and Jim Brown uh, is, is the fastest runner, and he has great hands and a good movement, I think I'd also want to know something about that person's personality before I'm investing millions of dollars in him. I, I don't know. My wife says I'm cheap. I remind her I'm Italian. I'm frugal. I'm not cheap. But I just couldn't see spending a lot of money without going through a process like that. Do, do you see that happening more in sports? Or are you uh, still sitting on the sidelines? Well, I think it's happening in baseball. I, I'm not expert in all the sports. Uh, but you look at someone like Theo Epstein, who's, I'm not sure where he is now, but it, he, he managed the, the, the Boston Red Sox and, and, and broke a, whatever, a hundred year curse, won right. uh, World Series, then went over and to the Cubs. he went to Cubs. Cleveland, yeah. He went over to the Cubs, uh, Chicago, uh, and, and yeah. won the World Series there, where they yeah. hadn't won it for a hundred years or something. I don't know, some astronomical number of years and and the one of the ways he did it was with algorithms you know studying players performances under pressure and i'm I'm not sure what type of personality issues he used but but there was a lot of uh, mental and pressure abilities in in his judgment of which players to to uh, recruit for his teams didn't necessarily uh, follow batting average or earned run averages and so forth somewhat. But uh, I, I would imagine, for instance, if I were uh, recruiting someone in football, I'd like to see, you know, how they do on third downs, you know, on offense, if they're a, you know, quarterback or a halfback yeah. running back or something, you know, how do they perform under pressure? How do they perform in the fourth quarter? You know, how do they perform when their teams are ahead and behind? I, I, I would want uh, uh, statistics and data on all those things, you know, and you could make a judgment on what kind of person you're dealing with. Uh, it, it, it's somewhat the same in tennis, by the way. You know, like as a tennis coach, uh, people would ask me when I was recruiting, they'd say, well, what style are you looking for? Uh, and yeah, I had, I did have certain preferences, big serves and power games. But more important than that, to me as a as a coach, was their ranking. I mean, I wanted to know how because the ranking tells you how they do under pressure, you know, how they do in the tournaments and how they do in the matches over a period of time, not just how how they hit the ball. And so there's that that aspect in, in all sports. I mean, who's going to make the free throw, you know, with two seconds left in a tie game, you know, and whose arm's going to get stiff and, and not make it? And, and you'd want to know their past history of such things because some people are better at handling pressure situations than others. So you, you, you'd like to know that. And, and I think if you, if you were to grind through the statistics deeply enough, you could figure – you could get a, at least a, a – somewhat of a handle on that. So uh, I, I, if, if these uh, team owners and managers are as smart as I think they are, I'm sure they're doing such things, especially after Epstein started it and, and showed, you know, how successful you can be by looking at such things. No, I would, I would think so. I think, uh, I think that has to be happening. Well, Doctor, we just about uh, went through about 50 minutes already. I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, as as you know, uh, the same thing that's happening uh, in our country, and uh, uh, not just with the young people, but people that are looking for change, and we're we're rushing, we're uh, unhappy. Uh, 
it seems as though uh, the the country is split in half. And uh, I really say, and, and and of course, and you've said in some of your books, uh, you know, sports is a reflection of life. And I think that's what prepares the athletes for dealing with life uh, a lot better than other people can. But we're having the same problems going through uh, tennis uh, today. And I've, uh, people that are involved in the uh, some of the uh, websites like Bill Patton's and uh, uh, Wes, uh, uh, well, many of the sites, uh, and Chuck Reese talks about it on his broadcast uh, a lot. Uh, the, the changes that are happening are not good. I do have to say that um, I, I think the changes, like I said in the um, article that just came out the other day in Florida Tennis, which is going to be the first of a three-piece article, uh, uh, change is scary, it's necessary, and it's uh, and it's. Uh, in tennis, too. Uh, we're no different than what's going on in the uh, uh, country right now. I've, I've written, well, I have two articles. I submitted the second article. Truthfully, my uh, third and closing article is a bunch of notes on my desk all over. Hopefully, I get this done in three uh, articles like I promised Jim Marks I would do. Uh, but I think we uh, we have to remember that our organizations, if it's the uh, USPTA, uh, the USTA, the ITF, all these organizations, as the organizations themselves become bigger, um, you form there's an aristocracy that is built in there, and we have people that are busier telling us what to do than listening to everybody. And uh, I think we, I, I hear there's a lot of talk. We need to replace this organization, that organization. Uh, truthfully, I'm not so sure we need to replace any organization. I, I think that most of us are members of these organizations. And uh, the person that... Uh, you know, said freedom doesn't belong to the faint of heart. I'm not sure that he or she was talking about weapons or anything, but a strong voice is important, too. You can't be faint of heart. You have to stand up for your opinions, but you have to respect other people's opinion. And if you're going to voice your opinion, I think you have to be prepared to listen to the other people. I will say that on eight years that I was on the USTA uh, Florida uh, Board of Directors. Uh, I voted for a lot of things. Um, I think that if you um, talk to the people there, I was considered uh, a pain in the ass to most of them. I had more questions than answers, but uh, I fought for my uh, positions there. And truthfully, I voted for some things that, as I look back today, uh, I wish I didn't vote for. But I don't think like I voted for them. Excuse me? I was just curious to be more specific. It, it, it's one level, uh, you're one level of uh, abstraction above me, John, so that I, I'm not sure what exactly you're driving at. You know what I mean? Well, in other words, more specifically, are, are some of these organizations doing things that aren't good, in your opinion? And, and what might that be? And which organization well, is doing what, if you have the nerve to say it? <laughs> oh, I, I do. In my second article, I point out the uh, things that, uh, that don't, me and a lot of other people do uh, – as you know, that being I've given that to the editor, like she says, don't scoop me, so I, I won't. Okay. Uh, but uh, that, but I, uh, I do uh, name what those things are. I mean, I'm scared of death, uh, and I, uh, of, of gambling, for instance. Um, 
I I watch uh, the, the scoring uh, being uh, produced faster than I think it's been produced before. I was told to watch that, and I've watched it, and uh, to me it seems to come up faster. And, yeah, uh, in the, uh, the Miami Open, we had some horrendous line calls that were all human, and I did that at one time and in my position with USTA. I taught umpires. Uh, we all can make mistakes, but the person in the chair – should have been able to see some of those obvious things. And I suspect the reason they weren't seen is because they were more concerned of being able to get that information, get the score out immediately for the gamblers. Uh, so I, I think some of the things that we're worried about, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are worried about, um, but I think there's still – we can discuss those things, but let's not. Uh, I do disagree, and I'll have uh, Chuck Reese on next week, and I'm sure we'll get in some uh, disagreements because uh, he, he will name some people where there's problems with. And I just like to remind people uh, I think I was a pretty honest person on the board of directors, but I do regret some of my. Uh, votes. I voted to make it smaller because it's easier to manage the board. Um, yes, it's easier to manage as I look back. Now, is that the important thing? Is to manage it, or is it more important to get everybody's ideas in? So, but I, I don't think you know. I wasn't intimidated in doing that. I was sold that idea. Uh, I believed that idea, and I and I don't think it's fair to criticize people on the board today that are making decisions. I think we have to discuss those decisions and we have to uh, make sure that we, uh, we're willing to listen to their ideas. And that's why I say, if you disagree with my views, if you read that article, I did post that. Uh, Florida Tennis put that on their uh, page and I have it on the FHSTCA so that if you have agreement with CoachDenise.FHSTCA, and uh, you know, I will. I've listed other people's opinions before, and I might again. So this is where How's that, John. I gave you a good. I gave you a good setup for pitching your stuff, eh? Uh, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> and before we close out, let me tell you, I because I went off today, and uh, you know, I had uh, you know, read chapters <laughs> in all three of your books, winning mental match, the winners. Mine think to win, and uh, as you know, I'm just I'm a believer that I mean I have my biases, and I just believe that sports gives you a head start in the business world and your life journey through this world. Uh, and uh, so I love what you're doing. I love having you on because you've written about it too. So tell the people how they can still. Uh, get these books and how they can use your services because that's more important than anything else. Oh, John, you nice guy, you. Uh, yeah, my books are all available uh, on Amazon, I think in hard paperback. Uh, they're also available on my website, alanfoxtennis.net. Uh, and uh, I think most of them are available electronically on Kindle, which is the best economic way to get them. Uh, and I consult. And so uh, on the mental issues and strategic issues, and that uh, you can sign up for on my website if you're, if you're interested. So th th those would be the uh, access points to my work. And if those of you that are looking for help, there's no better person to look for. I ask you to tell your friends about next week's broadcast. Like I said, it'll be uh, Coach Chuck Reese on there. Uh, Alan, I look forward to talking with you again next month. I really feel blessed to be able to uh, know that uh, the first uh, Thursday of the month that we're going to have our discussion. I will try to stay on topic. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, what's the difference? Time. We're fine. But, 
Yeah, we get but you get the, the best thing about Block Talk Radio is if you miss this broadcast, uh, go to the sites where I'll be publishing it. Tell your friends about it and uh, listen at any time you choose. Have a blessed week, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Bye bye. Take care, John. Take care.